0: Hello, hello, my friend. Welcome to Words That Move Me. I'm Dana. This is my podcast. This is my excited voice because I am so excited to share this conversation that I just had with my new friend, Jonathan Batista. Jonathan was a principal dancer with Oklahoma City Ballet for many, many years. He is now a soloist for Pacific Northwest Ballet. Shout out to all my listeners up in Seattle. If you get a chance to go see Jonathan perform, their nutcracker season is about to start. So get your booty to go see Pacific Northwest Ballet. Um, Jonathan and I uh, spoke before this interview a little bit about the life of a principal dancer for a ballet company. Y'all, this person is so what is the word I'm looking for? (laughs) Focused, deliberate, um, energized, motivated, disciplined. I mean, wow. All of the good things that all, all of these virtuous qualities that we reserve for people who are out there doing it, but also a human, a real kind human being that I so enjoyed talking to. Um, So in our preliminary chat, we talked about his morning routine, which starts at 4.30 in the morning, (laughs) meditation, workout, you know, body, self-care, thought work, um, and then off to the gym before heading into the studio for a full rehearsal day. We didn't dig into those nuts and bolts in this episode. Um, We kept our conversation focused on something quite different, which much, much deserves much, much attention, Um, we talked about what it means to be a person of color in the ballet industry. There's a lot to discuss there. Jonathan had some really great insights and and hopeful words and sentiments. Um, I'm excited to share all that with you. But first, let's do wins. I am so jazzed about my win today because my win today, which is a little bit early, it's a pre-celebration. Um, is that next week's episode will be our 100th episode. Now, technically, I think it's actually like 107 or 106, because I started with episode 0.5. We like to sprinkle in bonus episodes here and there. But, like, if we're sticking to the number, next week is 100. And to celebrate, I'm going to give $100 cash away to one of you listening, perhaps. Um, This will be an Instagram contest. All you have to do is tag words that move me podcast. All one word, no spaces, no dashes, no nothing fancy. Um, Tag words that move me podcast and nine people that you think would enjoy listening to the pod. This could be in the form of, you know, your own photo that you post, a talking head video of yourself, perhaps leaving Um, A few of your takeaways or sentiments about the podcast. You could also repost any one of our previous posts or episode posts Um, in your story. Again, be sure to tag Words That Move Me podcast and nine people you think would love to listen. Each time you do that counts as one entry. So if you do a lot of that, you stand a lot of chance to win $100 cash from my home wallet wallet to yours via the US postal service i'm so excited about this i haven't like put cash in an envelope <laughs> in a while shout out venmo shout out paypal um so i'm excited about this i'm excited to celebrate 100 episodes with you excited to ship out some greenbacks or probably just one greenback greenback did anybody else call money a greenback anyways i digress that's what's going well in my world i'm pre-celebrating episode 100, and letting you know about our contest. If you are confused about anything I just said, which might be the case because I didn't have it written down, that was just stream of consciousness, head over to Words That Move Me podcast. For the next week on Instagram, I will be sure to be posting a lot about this contest so you have all the important information. Okay, that's it for me. Handing the mic to you. What is going well in your world? Tell me all about it. Yes, my friend, you are winning. Congrats. So proud of you. Virtual hug. I hope you felt it. <laughs> let's talk Jonathan Batista, and then let's talk with Jonathan Batista. Jonathan, as I mentioned, is a tremendously passionate, kind-hearted individual with so much drive, and his drive has taken him from his birth town birth town rio de janeiro is not a town birth city um rio de janeiro in brazil all over the world dancing for some tremendously renowned ballet companies hearing about his experience as a person of color in the ballet industry was fascinating to me um brought up a lot of questions that i have a lot of concerns that i have and i think this conversation um, certainly is an ongoing one, but will be helpful for you to be a part of. I can't wait to hear what you think about it. I hope that you learn a lot, and um, I hope that you keep it super-duper funky. I'll talk to you guys later. Enjoy this conversation with Jonathan Batista. Jonathan Batista, welcome to Words That Move Me. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's a
1: pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
0: I'm delighted, and I am eager to get in to this conversation because I know it will be illuminating. Um, but why don't we start in in the uh, in the lazy river? Um, I want to hear to the degree of depth that you choose. Um, any information that you would like for us to know about you, I think you're certainly newer to me and might be new to my listeners as well. Uh, go ahead and dish. What what would you like us to know about you?
1: Yes. Well, um, my name is Jonathan Batista. I was born in Brazil. I was born in Rio, mm. uh, the city of so many great things. You know, you talk about culture. We talk about samba talk about art, music and uh, so much to offer. So I come from a very wealthy cultural background, um, which is the country itself, which is Brazil. And I started training. um, Well, I would say I started doing a lot of things as a young man. Uh, My parents kept me very busy.
0: You
1: know, I went from sports to martial arts um music, theater, mm-hmm. um what else? Um, you name it, until I found Ballet. Or I would say Ballet found me. Mm-hmm. I truly I that believe that <laughs> right. <laughs> I truly believe that Ballet was an art form art form that chose me because I was not interested at first. Mm-hmm. Um I think there was a lot of resistance for me to dance but I, but i was a dancer a natural dancer already i started dancing with ballroom mm. in school academic school they would have a program or two this,
0: was this a a i'm sure school in brazil is very different than it is here the equivalent of a public school and dance was part of the curriculum
1: that's right. It was oh, a public I'm school. i packing
0: up. <laughs>
1: and, <laughs> and it was a part of the curriculum to take dance classes. Awesome. And so I did take ballroom and my teacher just looked at me and said, look, I believe you have something there. You have a gift for dance. And, you know, I'm, I'm a kid. I'm here playing soccer and going to a karate class, capoeira mm-hmm. and music, studying music history. And ballet would be the last thing that I would have thought about hmm. but in my journey I think that my mom really took what my teacher um had said and really thought well let me let me introduce him to dance classes and I started with uh, Jess, tap,
0: a jazz uh, tap combo right
1: for the kind of a combo class. yeah 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 Yes, which is the usual, right? Mm -hmm. You go into the studio, you do tap and jazz. Mm -hmm. And then quickly, because I I was also the only male dancer, the only man, Mm -hmm. the only boy at that time in the studio, you are also included in ballet classes, Mm -hmm. right? They will sign you up immediately. And so that's how I started my journey. So ballet class started Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and I used to be teased a lot because I was the only man in ballet Mm -hmm. and and I don't think that really had um
0: dissuaded you at all
1: I'd say right no I was just happy to be there I guess and from there I joined a a more professional of a professional ballet school and with Mm -hmm. a full scholarship and that's how I started my journey and from there on you know uh, I I received a scholarship to go to Miami City Ballet School uh, in Florida And I returned to Brazil and then I was also, uh, awarded the, uh, full scholarship with college integrated college for English national ballet school Wow! at 15 years old.
0: So is that, is that what brought you here?
1: Yes. So at 15, I went to London, actually. I went to London in the, uh, United Kingdom to study, um, ballet and dance. I did a, a short stay at the Royal Ballet School. I think it took the summer of 2009. And, um, and from there on, I stayed three years in England with a full scholarship. I attended Trinity College. Uh, we also had a few courses with Cambridge University. And I was so naive to, to all of these great moments in my life because I, I always had a sense of giving my all to these opportunities that I didn't even know Mm -hmm. that I was attending college at that time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was just studying. What did
0: you think you were doing?
1: I have no idea. (laughs) I thought, well, I guess this is a part of ballet.
0: (laughs) Oh, I see. Okay, this is like, this is your training. This is my training. Training in ballet means receiving
1: Receiving. all of
0: this this training that I'm getting.
1: Correct, receiving all the information, all of the training, all of the studies. And mm-hmm. so it wasn't until I, I moved to Miami because I, I suffered a, a, an injury. I moved to Miami mm-hmm. and then from Miami, I moved to Canada um, and I received a letter in the mail. And that was my diploma. For, uh, uh, my diploma in dance for Trinity College and English National Ballet School. And I was just like, wow, this is fantastic. I did that. I did that.
0: <laughs> you literally lived the dream of college and you woke up one day and it was over and you had your diploma. <laughs> Definitely that way. I'm sure so so many of my listeners are listening like, could it just be that way for me, please? <laughs> I keep waking up and I'm still here. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and
0: That's fascinating. Okay, carry on. Keep going. What happened next?
1: And I, I and then from there, I went to Canada. Um, went to Canada. Mm. I was an apprentice with the National Ballet of Canada. I had a great Mm -hmm. stay with the company. I learned a lot. And from that journey, from that journey with the National Ballet of Canada, I was forwarded or recommended to Boston Ballet. And that's how I came back to Mm -hmm. the United States. Got it. And with Boston Ballet, I spent two years. uh, And with the company, I had a lot of great opportunities. I think it really defined my career on that moment um i had uh, lots of soloist uh soloist opportunity to perform solos uh featured roles principal roles as well mm-hmm. and but as a younger man i i've always been in search of more or exploring my artistry mm-hmm. exploring myself and i've always thought well you know what if i have to move somewhere if I have to try something, I do have the energy to try it now. I was about 21, 22.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I thought, mm-hmm. you know, I, don- I wouldn't want to move at 30 or 31, 32. It's a little bit harder. Um, and so I did move again. I moved to Cincinnati and at that time I moved as a soloist.
0: But was that exactly where you were before you were, um, a principal for Oklahoma yes, City? Yes,
1: it was right before. Mm-hmm. Um, so.
0: Okay, I didn't mean to cut to the oh, chase. Oh, actually, you got, but that's not even the chase because that's not where you are now. No, I am now. I if we had like if we had little dots on a map, I know <laughs> of places you've been and, and <laughs> companies you have you have graced. Um, we'd have the country would look like the world yeah. would look like a little Christmas. Okay, so Ohio, Ohio,
1: and then before Oklahoma City Ballet, I went to Milwaukee Ballet.
0: Okay, so we yes, I missed okay. that one. Mil- Milwaukee.
1: Milwaukee. Okay. <laughs> and uh-huh. from Milwaukee, I, I auditioned to the Oklahoma City Ballet, and I got in as a principal dancer. I was actually a principal dancer with Milwaukee Ballet as well. And mm. and then I auditioned to Oklahoma City Ballet. I think with the works that I did with the Oklahoma City Ballet as well, I needed to experience, I would say, more of a freedom right, because I was the starter mm. of so many things with the Oklahoma, Oklahoma City Ballet, being a company um, that had its own rebirth, right, it's a small company, a company that's up and coming, so uh, the structure of that company was still um, in its building process, right, they were still building up. Uh, and I was a part of that building process mm-hmm. during those four years. And I guess I just wanted to become just a dancer, right? with
0: hmm. not so so you found roots, you found a sense of community. and then you thought, maybe I will branch off if I were to stick with the analogy. actually, that would be not not so helpful to the metaphor. Um, you you felt in finding, oh, this is how I operate as a part of a bigger picture, were you wondering, I wonder how I operate as as one piece? Absolutely. What does the individual, the dancer, you know,
1: look yes, like? Yes, both.
0: And you went to, and, and there was, was that, was the opportunity presented before that thought happened? Or had the thought happened and then the opportunity came and you said, that's it, that's what I'm going to do.
1: The thought happened and then the opportunity presented itself. Mm-hmm it was almost like it manifested
0: mm-hmm.
1: with the energy that I put towards it, and the faith that I put towards uh, coming to a company that it's actually challenging to get in. I, I have applied before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a top five company in the country. I thought about the visibility of a dancer, and also Pacific Northwest Valley offer a lot of um, uh, experience with different choreographers from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I wanted to explore.
0: It's really heartening to hear how possible it is to invest long term and still have more distance to go. Like it's you won't run out of loving dance just because you're leaving a city. Right. <laughs> that the place you are doesn't dictate the dancer that right. you are. Um, but there was, there will certainly be an, there will certainly be different opportunities in different places. I mean,, Location, location, Absolutely. location. That's what. That's what my real estate agent always tells me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, that that makes a lot of sense, right? So you you come from a very culturally rich place, and you traveled to very many different culturally rich places, and wow, what a wealth of experience this has given you. And you, it, it, what I'm hearing is that, perhaps even more than dancing. It's a mission of yours to be giving back or sharing and, and creating more opportunities for others to do the same. Yes. So maybe that's a, a good segue. Let's talk about giving. Let's talk about doorways. Um, in, uh, in 2021, you won the Art and Culture and Music Award by TAF, the TAF Foundation, for your contributions in, re- in representation and activism. And I'm pretty sure this will be a very long answer, so let's get into it. Uh, I am so excited to hear this answer, but what I would love to know is how, and you can get as granular or broad about this as you want, how are you being a part of making ballet more diverse, more rich, more cultured, more inclusive?
1: Well, I I think that journey started with the Oklahoma City Ballet as well. Um, I've been, I am a Black man, right, in ballet, and there was a time that I realized how fortunate and blessed I am for having a very fruitful career, uh, for going from Mm -hmm. company to company, and perhaps being the first of everything, and uh, experiencing the lack of celebration of my culture, and other cultures as well. I was the first Black principal dancer in the fifty years of the company's history, wow. and you know, getting to thirty, I realized, well, who's next?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, are we cultivating talents? Mm-hmm. Are we seeing people of different background, uh, BIPOC uh, people, artists? Uh, are we seeing them for their talent and for uh, who they are? Mm-hmm and giving them the opportunity to be on stage um, and to be seen or or to be and to become, Mm -hmm. to exist within these spaces that are predominantly white. And I guess I, once again, it was by opening new doors and paving the way for more people. Because the work that, that I've been doing, it's for the current generation and the next generation as well. And how, and and, and during that process, you know, there was a lot of pain uh, through it because, you know, you start talking about it, there's a lot of confusion, a lot of resistance, mm-hmm. and it takes a while for it to settle down and for us to start the work. So... It took me a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was very challenging. And at some point I took my pain and and, and and this pain or this process is a process that comes from from years, right? During school, mm-hmm. through all the companies that I've been with until this moment with the Oklahoma City Ballet. And I, I took my pain and I turned it into purpose. And my purpose was to bring diversity, equity, and inclusion to ballet companies. Mm-hmm. And how do we do that? I often say these days that I that the protests that we started having in the United States last year, with the death of George Floyd, um, Breonna Taylor, and and more. Um, they started, they sparked more conversation about injustice throughout the country. Mm -hmm. And this conversation started everywhere and dancers started protesting as to why we don't have the visibility. Mm -hmm. Um, And so companies started listening to it, which was very important. It was a mark Mm -hmm. in the ballot world. Mm -hmm. Like this is, it's not the first time that we do these conversations, but it's the first time that it's being noticed, uh, it's the first time that it's being exposed uh, to the audience.
0: A general public's looking at it, hearing it, seeing it.
1: Yes, listening. absolutely. Which mm-hmm. obligates the company to uh, do something about it, to really, okay, let's sit down and and talk about it. Yes.
0: Right. Obligated, though. Mm-hmm. Like Obligated. How, 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 how does diversity become more than a box to check what is the incentive other than optics for companies to be inclusive i mean i think i know the answer which is you have a, a rich and diverse lived experience in your company the audience gets a richer more diverse experience in the seats i think that it seems plain as day to me but i don't think you know my experience as an artist and as an audience is the same as the experience of you know the people behind the desk or the people on the boards who are making those decisions and it's hard i feel selfish to ask for like i want you to be more diverse and i want it to come from a good-hearted place (laughs) and i want you to know why it's important Uh that isn't just like you know the optics yes you know i wish i had a different word to use but it feels like I'm asking a lot in my, in my desires for that. Maybe it's, 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 I, it's certainly not important what I want, but have you noticed it becoming a box to check? Have you noticed meaningful shifts in the systems that have for so long kept people of color from being front and center? in the ballet world.
1: Absolutely. I think that companies have, companies and artistic directors have made the effort to hire um, black indigenous people of color uh, into their Mm -hmm. uh, companies. But when it it comes to Mm -hmm. diversity, equity and inclusion, what I talk to these leaders about is that they all go hand in hand. I think that we have checked the box with diversity in the country uh, mm-hmm. with.
0: Right, but do people feel included? That That's it, the question. Do people feel like they belong there?
1: Absolutely, that's the question, right. Uh, right. because we mm-hmm. are diverse. Look, we have Black people, we have Latinx, we have people of color, mm-hmm. we have indigenous, or we have uh, uh, Asians and more, uh, but are they being included within the system? Mm-hmm. And how do we create this inclusion? How do we open up in order to uh, include them, how do we uh, have equity within these ballet companies, right? Because they do go hand in hand. First, mm-hmm. obviously, you have diversity. Mm-hmm. That's how you hire um, um, multiple cultures, multiple people different cultures, mm-hmm. and and then you create the accessibility, right? When it comes through to a ballet company, you create the accessibility through casting, which is first, mm-hmm. Uh, then rehearsal, studio time, on stage time, and then followed by performance. Now, it's only inclusive once you're part of that system in that order of casting, studio time, rehearsal, on stage time, and performance. And that's also when we talk about uh, representation and visibility. How do we create representation within a ballet company and a a specific community? It's having them go through the process of casting, studio time, uh, stage time, and then performance. And that's how the public can really uh, identify themselves within that one person uh, on stage. And then through visibility, how do we do that? Again, we go through the same process, but are these dancers being um, marketed via social media, where we market most of our programs. Are they in the programs? Are they um, Are they performing a specific role? Um, are they in position of leadership uh, within a, a a ballet production? Uh, meaning are they performing a principal role or a soloist role? Mm-hmm. Um, social media photos, mm-hmm. videos, images. Uh, emails, and and that's how you create the representation and visibility, and then you bring it back to the system, um, actually through the system, and that's how we are able to create this, the idea of celebration of cultures um, through the space that we are in. Mm. So, and, and and the issue that we have, we face sometimes, it's that, yes, we are hired, but, but where are we? We are not performing. And we have this example almost every year. And companies now have made, once again, there is proof and evidence that companies have opened subcommittees of uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion subcommittees to have mm-hmm. more of a broad mm-hmm. conversation, right? Yeah um, training and that's what the Pacific Northwest Ballet is doing. We're doing training as well, um, to identify these microaggressions that happen within the studio that Mm -hmm. they are not aware of. So there's a lot of awareness that we are bringing, um, Mm -hmm. through education, right? Educating our audience, educating Mm -hmm. our leaders, educating, uh, the board of governors of a ballet company. Uh, to say, look, we have a community that Mm
0: -hmm.
1: we want to represent, we need to represent because we have dancers from those communities. And if you're not Mm -hmm. on stage, then it's just, we're just back to the idea of
0: diversity. No, I did not intend for that to be an exasperated side, but I cannot help but feel there is so much to be done um, after so many years of the championed social identity in the ballet industry was white, um, is white for so long. Um, I'm, I'm sure we have a long way to go to total equity equality and inclusion, um, what do you see as being the biggest challenges set ahead? And how can the people listening who hold privilege in those spaces help?
1: I believe it's it's a matter of accountability, willingness, and commitment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And there's a lot of fear um, that goes on in the, in the world of ballet, even with artistic leadership. A lot of fear and pressure. But I truly believe that uh, ballet has been celebrating one culture for so long that they are afraid of going a different route. Mm. You know, you see that a system is not as inclusive because, you know, we don't have uh, many. Black artistic directors Mm. or artistic directors of different cultures and backgrounds who have had experience, uh, other cultures as well. And so it's challenging for them. I believe it's challenging for them to just make that change because it goes against their reality and what they have been accustomed to.
0: But isn't that what, isn't that what creativity yeah, is? Yes. Isn't that your role as a creative director is to imagine something that doesn't exist yet, or to imagine a way that is a way that isn't the way it's always been done?
1: Absolutely. But then you you see the percentage of uh, minorities, BIPOC artists within a ballet company, and it's considerably uh, smaller, small, when you come to forty five dancers in a ballet company, you only have four black dancers and you only have five latinx dancers Mm -hmm. and then you have about let's say uh what is that 30 some 30 plus white dancers uh by the time you make a decision to buy put a ballet on stage a production on stage Mm -hmm. majority of roles will go for those white dancers uh Mm -hmm. and so there's not much and again We are becoming a diversity company, but the question is, are we included within that one system
0: Right. right. and
1: there is space for casting, there is space for rehearsal on stage time, but we lack commitment and we lack willingness and accountability. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And we do have to educate people, the the people who come to stage these ballets Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They have to be educated on the culture that we are trying to establish. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, we fail to do that because majority of choreographers that comes to big companies, they are also Caucasians and whites. And so whenever they choose, select a dancer, they will select the dancers that they will identify themselves with. And that will be another white dancer. And what I'm saying is that's the priority. Sometimes you see one Black dancer on stage and the company, the, the leadership sometimes celebrate the diversity through one person
0: Oof.
1: on stage, right? Which sometimes can turn into tokenism.
0: That's the person on the flyer. And then you go see the show and they're not even in the in the work that you're seeing that night. The one yes, person of right. flyer. Yes, <laughs> right. And they are not even in the works. That was on the Absolutely. flyer. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so it's those are the challenges that we have, you know, that we have to yeah. really educate and continue to educate these leaders mm-hmm. in order for us to influence change. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I saw with the Oklahoma City Ballet that I was so happy about it is we started the work, uh, I believe it was in July. And when August came, we were doing the work immediately. Immediately. Mm. And
0: is that not, what is the usual timeline of a lifetime of a, of a work?
1: And here's a line that I that I always hear as a Black dancer. You have to wait. Change takes time. Oh. And I, I remember t- saying this to an executive mm-hmm. director. Mm-hmm. I said, change does not take time. Change takes action. Time is now. Time is a constant. Time is now. And so there's always this, oh, it was, you know, I didn't perform on program. It's just this program. Don't worry, you're going to perform again. Mm-hmm. And I've been through this experience where then I signed the contract and all those promises that you've had from a director, oh, you're going to perform X, Y, Z. Once you sign the contract, you don't perform those those roles. You are not given the, that opportunity uh, to uh, develop your artistry or your your skills, mm-hmm. and it's almost like it's a trap once you sign that contract. Mm-hmm. And what I've talked to artistic directors, I, sa- I say that, yes, it's going to be challenging to also conquer uh, other cultures' uh, trust. Why is that? Yes, they might think that it's tokenism because everything that we do these new actions towards diversity, inclusion, and equity, we must take action with consistency. In order for us to connect and engage with other cultures rather than white.
0: And, right? and to make long lasting change. It must and to be, make long It must change. be happening consistently, not just on one contract for one dancer, on one company in one city. We're talking about collective shift, consistency, all over the Absolutely. place. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Not to mention that uh, Black dancers and dancers of different cultures, uh, they have to work 10 times more, right? And this work is not always uh, physical work. It's equity, uh, it's sweat equity, mental equity. Um, that go goes into these these works that we do
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um and so that needs to be a a sensitivity awareness towards that as well Mm -hmm. and because i think the conversation is going okay how does a dance how can we make you feel comfortable and our answers will always be well by performing by being on stage Mm -hmm. you know the life of a dancer is by performing and i understand that sometimes you won't perform a certain role sometimes you won't perform a certain piece but to exclude you from uh, a system that organically excludes you is also not helpful so uh yeah we have a lot of work to do and and i'm staying hopeful
0: Mm -hmm. it sounds like i'm staying yeah
1: very hopeful
0: um I'm, I'm inspired by your hopefulness and the path that you're laying and the actions that you're taking. Um, yeah, thank you so much for thank you. being really transparent about what it what it really means to be a person of color in the ballet industry. Um, I I'm, I'm sure it is far more complicated and nuanced than I can ever imagine. And you navigate it so gracefully and explain it with compassion and understanding and patience. And that's, I, uh, I can't think of a better example to set. So thank you so much for that. Thank you for being here and talking to me today.
1: Well, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, I think, you know, now you are part of it. Yes. You know, you're part of this journey. Oh my goodness, yes. Um,
0: Sign me up. Tell me where <laughs> I can, I can spend my privilege if I if I hold any in the ballet world which I probably don't (laughs) you're Um, doing it already I you know but it's I I love talking about dance and I agree with you I'm very much in alignment that I love dancers I love people and it is has always been a focus of mine to serve the people who do the thing that I love to be doing which is dance um and i i i think that a lot of our training (laughs) naturally obviously is physical and i wish that there were more of a a mental component because a lot of the things that dancers and especially people of color come up against in you know our professional industry um are things that we were not prepared for in a dance class certainly not standing at a ballet bar so i'm happy to offer this space, the podcast, as a resource to have conversations like these and be an example of how to have conversations like these and also um, hopefully empower people to maybe, you know, in in circumstances like mine, I'll give a very specific example. Um, After the summer of 2020, I stopped teaching hip hop. Very easy decision for me that hit me like a ton of bricks. And it just was so simple and so clear that I could name more than fingers and toes on my body. People of color who live, eat, drink, love hip hop culture. It's true. I love to be dancing. I love funk. It's true that my timing and placement in this world gave me exposure to some great training. And I love sharing what I've learned. But are there people who can do this better than me? Absolutely, and I feel great passing that opportunity on to them. I feel very good about that. I don't feel scared of that. But I know that I'm not um, I know that I'm not alone, but I also know that that that's not probably the majority rule in terms of like how how does it feel for white people to be asking to pass work on to people of color? I'm imagining that to some people it does not feel empowering. It feels threatening, and I think that I can see where the problem lies there. Um, and I I don't know yet the solution to that, but I think it starts up up here and in here. I'm tapping my, I'm tapping my head and my heart.
1: <laughs> um, which I understand. Is, which
0: is, it's what humans get, right? We have that. Yeah. We have awareness. We have the ability to think about the future. We have the ability to watch ourselves think and feel in the present. And I'm just hoping that we, as a greater community, can elevate above and outside of our individual selves and think about the big picture here.
1: Yes. Oh, thank you. That was, that was beautiful. And I, you know, I think the word is awareness mm-hmm. and we can share of common knowledge mm-hmm. and we could really, you know, just have that, uh, that trade, that experience. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the first thing that, connect is, that connects us is, it's the heart, mm. right? It's the soul of an artist, whether if it's hip hop, ballet, modern, mm-hmm. uh, Samba, mm-hmm. who knows, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and whether you're black, white, um, Latinx, native, uh, do you understand? And it's beautiful that, that. thank you for that, that you're aware, it's it's a system, and it, it, that's what I was even talking to a friend of mine I said, uh, he's a white male, and I said to him, I am not fighting you, I am fighting the system.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, in that way we broke so many walls between us, Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know,
1: and For it
0: it to not be personal. Right.
1: It's not personal. And, and then we were able to see that we truly appreciate each other for who we are. Mm -hmm. And that's the work. And that's, it's, it's just, as you say, it's fascinating.
0: It is fascinating every step of the way, every turn, every new contract negotiation, every new first black soloist on every company. They're here, but I'm fascinated. I'm on the edge of my seat, but I also, I cannot help but feel a little bit impatient. And you you mentioned before, and it kind of stuck with me being told you have to wait or change, you know, this change isn't going to happen overnight. I have noticed, in myself, and I know I'm a a very small piece, but some changes can happen overnight. Yes, absolutely. I made the decision, you know, my decision about the type of work I will take on and the type of work I will pass along. I made that decision literally overnight, and it felt awesome. So I would encourage perhaps anybody who's listening to be thinking about the changes you can make really fast right now that might have really long and rippling effects, and then where are the places where we can be, or where, where are the places we can bend and be more flexible so that we can have more endurance? Um, because yeah, it really is, it's about the long game, huh?
1: Absolutely, and I second you on that. And, and if I may add, um, also, I really would love people to acknowledge that and encourage people to acknowledge that change starts with you. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it starts, it's Mm -hmm. a small thing, Mm -hmm. right? Within your own environment, within your space. It, you know, when I wanted, uh, there was a time where I wanted to use my voice and I was so afraid, Mm. so afraid. And when I did use it, I had no idea that I had that power within me, that energy to influence change. And actually to see that there were people with me, behind me, I was saying behind me, was the generation that mm-hmm. is up and coming, really waiting for that moment. And instead of fearing once I did that, once I looked around, I found so much love and so much support from every community, from every culture so we have that power we have that within us and and i understand it's now that work Mm -hmm. takes time you know and but when you do it take your time when you do it it will be the right time for you to make a change within your own environment
0: thank you so much for adding that yeah i think that's a fabulous place to wrap it up you You all have a lot to go and think about um jonathan thank you so much (laughs) for being here with me today i look forward to talking to you again
1: Thank you, Donna. It's been an honor. Look forward to talking to you again, too. Thank you. Bye.
0: All right, y'all. I know I already did my sign-off at the beginning before this conversation happened, but I feel compelled to, like, wrap it up one more time. Jonathan is hopeful for change in the systems in place um, that are the systems that determine who winds up on top in center stage, if you will, of the ballet world. And he's all for making changes to the big picture, to those systems, and starting with the self. So if you and I had any homework today, it might be simply to ask yourself what changes you can make and how those changes Will affect the big systems that drive and move our world. I hope you have fun chewing on that. Again, I would love to hear what you think of this episode. Please feel free to contact me with any and all feedback. I am at Dana Daners on Instagram. And of course, the podcast is Words That Move Me Podcast. Thrilled about our 100 episode contest. Get in there and get paid <laughs> and get real funky on your way I'll talk to you guys soon bye me again wondering if you ever noticed that one more time almost never means one more time (laughs) well here on the podcast one more thing actually means two more things number one thing if you're digging the pod if these words are moving you please don't forget to download subscribe and leave a rating or review because your words move me too Number two thing, I make more than weekly podcasts. So please visit thedanerlisten.com for links to free workshops and so, so, so much more. All right, that's it now, for real. Talk to you soon. Bye.